Hey there, podcast listener. Steven here from the podcast you're currently listening to. You ever heard a podcast and think, I can do that? Well, maybe you can, or maybe you can't, or maybe I can help you get started with it. Hosting is the most expensive cost you'll have in a podcast, and that's why Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast. Really, they have everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. With Anchor's hosting, you can distribute your podcast to other listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. And if you think you can do a better job than I, record a podcast right now. There's very low risk involved. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to the Lazy Geeks Network. What you what you want? What you what you want? Welcome to the Lazy Geeks Podcast, our weekly news podcast that discusses news that interests us from the past week. And this is the show for the week of August 7th, 2016. I'm Stephen Vargas. I'm Adam Riley. And uh, we've had kind of a busy week. we got a yeah. bu- busy weekend, actually. You know, um, Olympics have started, which is funny because for the longest time, I forgot. I was, I kept, every time I kept hearing the Olympics, I was like, oh, that's right. They're coming back because I like seeing nothing. I've seen nothing for it. Like nothing to even all I've seen. Remind me all of. I've seen is that no one's going because of the Zika virus. That's, that's <laughs> all I've seen. <laughs> right. Um, I managed to catch uh, uh, some of the opening ceremonies, but uh, I, I've been. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that through Facebook, they keep through uh, Rio's thing. They keep uh, showing a lot of like memories from Olympics past. So, you know, they're showing people that, like, facing adversity and stuff like that, you know, hurt themselves, but they did cool stuff, like, epic stuff to, like, finish or what have you. Yeah. So, it's like, you know, like, the, the Olymp- Olympic spirit. But they showed this one, men's gymnastics. I think this guy was French. And I always forget what it's called, but it's that one where they do the running and then they jump and then they hit that ho- the pommel horse and then they kind of do that flip in the air and then land. Um, so, dude's running. Like, he's he's, like, looks like he's ready to, like, Break the space-time continuum barrier and launches <laughs> the speed force. Is the speed force, exactly, him. exactly. You could almost see like he actually passed himself as he was going towards the pommel horse. Right. Um, he does the flip, and when he lands, his knee goes down, and his leg kicks out to the right below the knee. Oh. And you just see his leg go like that, and I'm like, oh my god! Like, and then I was just like, ah. Oh. It's like you see that and you're just like, oh my god, oh my god, what the hell happened? Like, uh, and, and they show him going down. And of course, they show it repeatedly in slow motion as he's rolling and his legs kind of kicked off from the knee down, is kind of kicked off to the left as he rolls down. And you're just like, oh fuck, dude. Get to the Olympics and like that happens. 
it's like, ugh. See, I've never, I've never cared too much about the Olympics. It's because you hate America. No, that's not, I like how the first gold medal is America, and it's for it's shooting. shooting. I know. I said that yesterday. I said that yesterday. I was like, going, "Can we say irony?" <laughs> it's like, well, we do tend to do that a lot. So, there's a white girl. Oh Jesus! Uh, yeah, I saw that. I was like, "Wow, that's a little ironic." I go, I "You know, see, people I'll... are gonna be throwing that in the uh, in the whole." Uh... I want to see. Um... Like the shooting competition, some thug goes up there, something holding the gun sideways. <laughs> sideways. <laughs> Pull, somebody pulls off a dead shot. It starts shooting the same <laughs> hole each time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, dude, like, well, the ones that I watch, I tend to watch. Uh, well, I was watching men's basketball. I saw them kick China's ass yesterday. Uh, Kevin well, that's a given. Yeah, you know. Dude, well, it was funny because, like, they were showing that, and on Facebook, they showed the the 1992 team that had Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Scottie no Pippen. Touch it. No one can touch the dream team, dude. That was I, too much. I, I put on there, I put on my Facebook page, like, this was back in the day when I said, it's so unfair. Like, you can't yeah. unleash this roster to the world. And it was like, yeah, because you saw that, it was like, oh, that was like, I mean, half the time you got to figure that some of those people who were playing in like the, you know, for their countries and stuff of like that, were probably going, I've seen these guys on TV, now I'm playing them. There's a little bit of like, oh, fuck it, you know. <laughs> the rest of the world hadn't played basketball truly. Right. Until they, until they <laughs> saw a fucking the dream team play. Like, they, they were flawless. Like, you look at the game, it was just perfect. Oh, I know. Nuts, You're just like, oh my god. So, so I want, I mean, men's basketball, uh, Beach volleyball, I love watching, uh, especially that women beach volleyball. Though, Ooh. Um, uh, but yeah, beach volleyball in general and team volleyball. I don't really watch soccer all that much. Um, although I what I am because like over the weekend, uh, NBC has been showing it like on all their affiliates as well. So like, all the you you basically realize which are owned by NBC. <laughs> so you have like the NBC Sports Channel, you have Bravo, you have um, oh, what are some of the other channels that they have? You know, some of the other uh, uh, the business channel over the weekend, and they were just showing nonstop. You know, like it was like four or five channels of, ha of different Olympic events. So I was watching right. some of that. So I was watching the beach volleyball one, and I was watching um, Brazil come back and uh, beat Croatia, and. I was doing something on the computer, and all of a sudden, I was hearing, like, I heard this, this weird noise, and I looked, and I go, I go, oh, fuck, I don't want to watch uh, table tennis, ping pong. But then I stopped, and I really watched them. Like, they're actually kind of impressive. Like, you're watching yeah, this, and, like... They're pretty intense. I was, like, going, oh, my God, like, you expect, like, literally, with the force that they're hitting it, like, the ball is literally just going to disintegrate before it goes over the, over the table net, you know? You're just kind of, like... Wow, that's that's some pretty intense shit you're seeing there. And it's super fast too. It's like, doo, 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 doo. you're like, shit. <laughs> so, but you know, I've always been kind of interested in it. You know, like my brother's more into the the, the gymnastic side. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's always, always kind of like the I always like the winter games more. Yeah, like I like hockey. The snowboarding stuff is always pretty cool. After, yeah, um, and and sometimes the figure skating. Because it makes me just realize, just I bitch about just like 
you know, you get up out of bed and then you twist something when you're just getting out of bed and then you see these people doing that shit and it makes you feel really even more bad about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn, I need to exercise. <laughs> and then you never do. Yeah, it's like, you look at them like, fuck them. A fucking bunch of, uh, bunch of, uh, or especially for the guys, a bunch of homosexuals. You know, because <laughs> you resort to that just because, you know, you try to make yourself feel better. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, I, I saw this story over, um, the other day because um, apparently Facebook is going to increase their um, tackle against clickbait. Yeah. Um, it, uh, so, like, this story I got from Ars Technique is kind of short, so I'll just read it. So, in 2014, Facebook was going to step up, uh, take steps to, fa- uh, to favor clear he- um, headlines over the so-called clickbait, which it defines as headlines that try to cultivate interest in a story by omitting key pieces of information or by misrepresenting what's in the actual post. Um, now, uh, on the social media giant has revised its clickbait tackling screen scheme, uh, which for the two past years has been downgrading posts based on the amount of time Facebook users spend on an article after they click at the headline. But in a post, um, I think it was Friday, Facebook says its current plan to attack involved cataloging tens of thousands of headlines, which are then analyzed by a team of employees that decided if the headlines within per, um, withheld pertinent information or were misleading about the, the uh, accompanying articles, which basically anything that says, and you wouldn't believe what happened, is clickbait. Yeah, the cock tease <laughs> of fucking journalism. Right. And um, then when you click on it... When you click on it, there's two things. It's never interesting, right. for one. Mm-hmm. And two, it's if it promises images of something, it will never be the title image. Oh, yeah. And that's always the best image. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Like when you see... Uh, um, like The most common one, and I'm sure a lot of you have seen, uh, newscast bloopers, and you always see somebody like exposing their bra. You're never going to see that image nope. in the actual video. <laughs> but... Uh, it's funny because The Verge uh, uh, posted the story about that saying that they're going to, you know, and then they go, Facebook's getting serious about clickbait, and you wouldn't believe what happened next is what they put right after that. <laughs> I started laughing, like, cute, <laughs> cute Verge, cute. <laughs> <laughs> so that should be funny. Well, we'll see how much that that is, but you'll be able to know the sites that do that because I've gotten so many of those sites where I was just like, fuck you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and then you read the story, and you're like, "This story's bullshit." <laughs> but if you base it on, if you base it on how long they've been on there, no, some people p- are probably reading the article to find out it's bullshit. So that theory alone is is bullshit. But uh, speaking it's all of bullshit, yeah. Oh, also speaking of bullshit, so Insta- uh, so Snapchat decided to upgrade their. I mean, um, Instagram decided to upgrade their uh, their app basically blurring the line between them and, and Snapchat because uh, you know I mean the, you know Instagram is basically trying to innovate the way we use uh, their service you know by adding pictures that you know delete within 24 hours uh, adding different filters and text that we can put on pictures um, being able to respond to pictures you know and direct messages and oh wait yeah that's snapchat um right yeah 
in the release that happened on Tuesday for um, Instagram, basically they have what's called stories. And it's Snapchat. And you, you can see with certain articles, like I have the, the article that I have linked to this is, is Wired. And they say, like, you know, Instagram's uh, Snap uh, Snapchat ripoff is brazen and totally fine. Um, but if you look around the Internet, you'll see people that either say, yeah, it's fine because they probably prefer Instagram over Snapchat. Or they're like, wow, it's like they're not even trying anymore. They're a little more critical because they're stealing from Snapchat. But you got to remember, too, that Instagram is owned by Facebook. And Facebook stole, you know, talked shit about Google Plus, yet stole a lot of Google Plus's design and, right. you know, cultivating of stories and things like that. So, at what point do you just stop creating shit and like, going, oh, well, they have some, let's just put it on ours, too, and just call it something else? I mean, you, you can sit there and you can say, oh, well, you know innovation comes from imitation and stuff like that but sometimes it's just so blatant you know what i mean like you're just trying to you're trying to ride the money train now you're not you're not making anything better you're just copying it you know so i don't know yeah i mean truthfully oh go ahead i don't truthfully i don't fucking care right but i mean this is a teenager's game you know what (laughs) i mean like i never i still i've used snapchat i tried i still don't understand the point like it, it just seems like a an app to um, send people naughty photographs because you know they're going to get deleted. You know, mm-hmm. you, it started out that way, but a lot more people are doing Snapchat. It's, I, 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 the idea of Snapchat at least to me is more of kind of a moment kind of thing. Like, it's a moment, and then like every moment it fades. Um, that's kind of. You know, the for most people that use it for brands and stuff like that, even even we have our own Snapchat. Um, it's just kind of a little bit of a moment to me. Instagram is more of that picture that you just show to kind of, oh look at my life, look how cool it is, you know that kind of thing. Oh, by the way, if you guys haven't gone to our Facebook page, um, Heather had uh, sent me a video that was hilarious that I actually posted it on our Facebook page that was um, Instagram versus reality and it showed a uh, it showed a it showed basically this what this this chick did with pictures and then how her life is actually like she's like takes a picture of this like really beautiful plate of salad and then like she goes and she's like eating healthy hashtag healthy living hashtag you know she's doing it all and then they show her what she's actually doing and she's eating like a double cheeseburger fries and shit like that <laughs> you know basically the kind of lie instagram is and stuff like that is it, it was pretty fucking funny I, I i thought it was hilarious i actually saw i went to a, a place called yc's mongolian grill today and i saw like a group of girls just photographing their food all right and i think they took 10 minutes yeah. trying to get like the perfect shot I'm like just eat your food <laughs> like I don't know like I f- sometimes I, I love technology but when it comes to that kind of social media I always sound like the old man in the room like <laughs> I, I'm like why who fucking cares what you're eating like why are you taking a picture of it but people do care people care what others are eating <laughs> unless, for, for me unless it looks so fucking good that 
you know, it's like for me, it's like because I've I've taken pictures of of my dinner, but usually it's at the point where it's like, oh shit, that looks so fucking good. So then you take the picture, and then everybody. So then when you say, yeah, that fucking meal, you know, I, that meal, look at that. They're like, oh fuck yeah, dude, because you can never describe a good meal to someone, you know. Yeah. But for the most part, it's one picture, and then I'm eating. And most times, I take the picture, I eat, and then I post it after because <laughs> I'm fucking hungry. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I saw the two. I went to uh, Cheesecake Factory on Friday, and you know, eating and there's like these group of teenagers that come in. I guess they're celebrating somebody's birthday or something like that. And there's like you know, a couple guys and a couple girls, and yeah, everybody's photographing their food. And I was just kind of like, eh, really? It's Cheesecake Factory. But see, and then you kind of can't. Because now you're now you're just judging it on the fact that you feel the Cheesecake Factory isn't that big of a deal, you know. It's it's all the same shit. You know what I mean? Like for me, the Cheesecake Factory is rich people food. So <laughs> if I saw someone doing that at the Cheesecake Factory, it would make sense. Like, oh yeah, they're they're at the Cheesecake Factory. I guess that makes sense. I've only been to the Cheesecake Factory twice, and it was a fucking <laughs> event when I, each time I went. So that's all per- perception. I mean, but. I mean, I don't knock it if people people wanted to do that. There, it's the type of people who like to photograph things in their life. You know what I mean? Then they like to save those moments. I don't. I don't fucking care about photographs. Like I, I saw it. It's you know, it's good. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm trying. I'm trying to take more pictures of my kids. And until I can actually do that successfully, I think the food <laughs> pictures can wait. Yeah. You know? Well, when you start taking pictures, when you decide to start documenting their life, and they're already graduating college. Might be a little late. Just, hey, just an FYI, I'm though. I'm already late. <laughs> we don't take pictures of shit. <laughs> Except a dick pic. My <laughs> <laughs> kids are gonna get older and they're gonna go. Oh, do you have any pictures of us when we were younger? No. <laughs> it's all up here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, who are you? <laughs> right. Um, I saw this one this week, and I thought you might be interested in this one. Um. Well, I'm fucking not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hulu has been, fo- um, has been focused on creating more original content for quite some time. But this week, the streaming service announced that it would be launching an entirely new line of original documentaries focused on untold stories and pop culture. Limelight documentary series will feature Hulu-exclusive documentaries beginning with the film about the real creator of Batman... And a feature on George Lazenby, who played James Bond in one movie before deciding to retire from the franchise. Hulu Senior Vice President of Global Content, Greg Erwich, said that the project the streaming service had been working on for quite some time and saw it as the next opportunity for Hulu's original line to grow on top of the aforementioned documentaries. Hulu is also working on a project about the failed Dana Carvey show, the defunct skateboarding magazine that inspired the Jackass series Big Brother, and a feature about the artist Shepard Ferry, best known for drawing up the Hope poster President Obama used during his 2008 campaign. Uh, Hulu, Hulu is following in the lines of his biggest competitor, Netflix, who launched its own uh, documentary line a couple years ago. But uh, he didn't say which, when the first few documentaries would start rolling out to the service, but confirmed anyone with a Hulu account will be able to have access to the films at no additional cost. So, I'm curious about the real creator of Batman. Like, yeah. 
Mac, are we are we are we insinuating Bob Kane isn't the uh, creator of Batman or? Um, I don't know. There, there's always with any big character. I mean, that's on the Marvel side too. It's like, oh, uh, Stanley didn't create those characters. Like, it's it's like okay, you know, I don't fucking care. Truthfully, like, <laughs> like it, it, because there's no way you can prove or disprove it. So right. you know, especially Batman, because that was a long fucking time ago. Like, it, Bob Kane's name is on everything. So I don't, I don't know. You know, yeah. I created Batman. <laughs> I went you're back in time and did it. You're Batman. That's right. <laughs> um, but I, I like documentaries either way. Like, yeah. so that's that's that. I, I'm always happy when someone's gonna have more documentaries, um, even if it's about bullshit. Sometimes you need a bullshit documentary. Oh, that's you know, what YouTube documentaries are for. Yeah, they're, they're just fun nonsense to watch <laughs> about things that are not of any consequence whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but you will have a strong opinion about it, even though it affects your life in no way whatsoever. Exactly. So, dude. It's I been a long road. I saw Star Trek Beyond, Beyond um, today. And I have to say it was fucking brilliant. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. Um, I'm not going to do spoilers. Well, how old is this movie? Uh, what about three Wait, weeks? Wait, don't don't Two, we always three. say we're not going to, and then we and then do? We do. Yeah. yeah, this is me spoilers. Um, <laughs> there were so many callbacks to previous Star Trek stuff, and it was all properly done. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, okay, we get it. You know, it was just so fucking great. The the Franklin, forget it, dude. That was right. that was my favorite part of the fucking movie. Yeah, the NX. Yeah, it was it was a nice little callback to Enterprise. Well, there was a quite a few callbacks to Enterprise in this movie. You know, um, I was waiting for Scott Bakula to show up. I know. Well, Adam, when Adam and I were talking off road, off uh, offline, we were. He was like going, "Oh, I was expected to hear like it's been a long road, <laughs> getting from there to here." Or actually, it would have been cool. See, this is where you could have done it. I mean, it would have probably been a little over the top, but, you know, you get, like, an old transmission from, like, you know, Admiral Archer, and you have Scott Bakula in, like, kind of older makeup or something like that, you know? You know, maybe, you know, uh, giving some kind of, like, directive for them to go before they got lost or what have you. Yeah, something uh, interesting. Yeah. But that was, um, that is just such a good movie. All the characters were great. Even the new ones. Um, I don't the visuals were stunning yeah. like that that fucking fit and end bit was just i couldn't do it it was too much the, the yorktown like it, itself was like yorktown was breathtaking like it was one of those things that you never really thought of before yeah you know uh it was just like it it, it reminded me of one of those perplexus balls you know yeah you know, and which I thought was kind of a cool concept, and then the way the starships entered into um, into it, and you know, it was like basically underground the city and stuff like that. So, you know, it was, I I mean, for me, that was like one of the yeah. Like, I like that how the ships came in, and it was like above it was like a river, yeah, an artificial river. That was cool, man. That whole shot with the Enterprise cruising in, like it was just dope. Like it was the only thing that it kind of annoyed me, but it's more because I have no patience. <laughs> was it took so long like the end was when you found out what the main bad guy's um motive was right 
And for me, I was like, dude, why do you hate the Federation so much? Get to the point. Right. We got to the point, it was great. But everybody was great. Everybody was perfect. They had all kinds of old school shit going on. The motorcycle scene. <laughs> the, um, the, uh, um, they destroyed the fucking shit with the music. I was just like, it's too much. It was, it was, I, the whole time I was going, oh shit, oh fuck, Jesus, oh fuck. <laughs> I was so into it, dude. Uh, yeah, it, and it was, it was cool because, like, uh, when I saw, uh, uh, Star Trek Beyond, it was one of those where Adam had asked me about, like, well, um, Oh, yeah, it's been, like, three weeks since the movie came out. Uh, but I had said, like, oh, yeah, it doesn't really take a whole lot on the Enterprise because it's mostly on the planet. And I was like, oh, I hate those episodes. I, didn't, I, I didn't tell him on the – I didn't tell him about the Franklin. So, yeah, so my original thing was, like, oh, you know, there are a lot of good episodes of Star Trek where it's mostly on a planet, but I love ships. That's my favorite. I mean, when I was a kid, I had models of the ships, you yeah. know, and stuff like that. And – um no, he did not tell me about the Franklin, <laughs> and I am happy he didn't because I about lost my fucking mind when I saw it. And the reveal was so clever too. Yeah. Like I, I was like, "Where are they?" And then, and then you're it, it. I don't fucking know how they did it, but the pacing of it perfectly matched my mental reveal. Like he's walking in, and I, I it started dawning me like, "Why does she know about the Federation?" Yeah, so much, you know. And then, right when I start, that's the wheels of that start turning. Is when you realize they're in an NX class starship. I was like, "Fuck!" God, I fucking started <laughs> drooling on myself. Yeah, when he's like, "This is your home," she goes, "And yours, Mo- um, Montgomery Scotty." And then it's like you see the USS Franklin on there. I was like, "Oh shit, nice!" I like how she <laughs> kept calling her Montgomery Scotty. Yeah. yeah this is, and then uh, she was she really co- good too. James T. <laughs> James T. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was really good. Um, if you haven't seen, I definitely suggest if you can get in there and get see it in the theater. If you haven't seen yeah. it, because it has some awesome visuals. Yeah, it has some awesome spectacles that are really great for the big screen. Um, I know I've talked about this before, but you know, it, it, to me, it was kind of cool. Like when Adam told me he saw it today, and that he was like really happy. I was like, I was excited because it's like cool because it's you know we're Star Trek fans, but I'm I am a fan of the original series. Adam, not so much. Um, but it was cool and to I have don't, that. And, and, and it's not that he knocks it. Series. It's not that he knocks it. It's no, just... I'm just, I'm a little younger. So I, I never watched it. Like, I grew up when I was a child. TNG was on. Like, it was on yeah. and popping. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, like for... that's the one I was born into. Yeah, and for me, you know, I was getting the syndicated reruns of the original right. series. So it was it was Kirk and Spock and McCoy. And, and I, I loved the next generation. I wasn't one of those that was like... Oh fuck this! Star Trek is not Kirk and Spock, you know. Fuck this! And I was like, going, oh cool, Star Trek. All right, that'd be cool. Let's see what this is. And then you watched the first season, and said, I don't know. Yeah, after the first two seasons, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna like, uh. and then all of a sudden, I was like, oh wait, the uniforms changed. Okay, let's see, because I'm one of those guys that the nuances get me. Yeah. Like I, I started, you know, when they were like teasing the third season, then the new uniforms were on. I was like, oh, those are kind of cool. All right, let's check it out. (laughs) The thing is, is there's different kinds of Star Trek fans, you know, and they all love Star Trek, but there's different certain focuses that you love more. Like I am super into the technology, like the like the techno babble makes me hot. 
Like, <laughs> like it really. I just love it. I love seeing the ships and the and the devices they're using and what the aliens are using and, and all that shit. And you know? and don't get us wrong. Like we know about the bullshit ones too. Like the the uh, all around tachyon particles that always you know that you know the or what, what how would I call it the uh, omnipresent tachyon particles that always seem to be whatever they need to do to to overcome Look, whatever just obstacle. Just because we haven't discovered it yet. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's just it, and and when I was younger. It was just that, you know, the typical the discovery of the unknown and say that it, all that draws you in. But um, this fucking movie was brilliant, and they really did it in a great way because it's the first movie in this timeline that they've left Sector Zero Zero One. Like they've act, oh, right. they're not in a box anymore, and the first bad guy they encounter is someone from the past of the Fe- of the federation or whatever and he's that got saying lost out there right and he's saying the frontier's pushing back like i'm like yeah. oh my god like <laughs> fuck like as soon as they get out there now it's like fuck you go home now nah, fuck you asshole bah, 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 bah. you know so um sound effects were uh, original for me <laughs> but what no, i was, what was i liked great. too was like you know it was it was war i was that was what i was born into and then kirk's like to die to save a, a bunch of other people that was what i was born into and i was like Ugh! hit back with his father right there <laughs> you know because <laughs> you know he is you know basically doing the same thing his dad his dad was gonna do it, it, it was very it, i liked it because like for me uh as i got older i mean when i was a kid you know the the tech and you know the ships and the, the all that stuff but as i got older i really got into the character development like seeing what the characters come across and that was one of the reasons why i really liked season three on of the next generation yeah. uh, because it became data stories or war stories or things like that um and in the original in the original series it was always you know it was it it they mirrored more of us you know mirrored more of what we go through on a daily basis and and challenging those prejudices or or saying like right we understand you have those but in this new society this is how it's supposed to be and i was i was always interested in those stories so seeing the emotional arcs with kirk and spock was was really good especially seeing the the uh relationship between kirk and spock grow you know right and so there was there was a lot of that, and of course the feels for Anton when you saw him on screen, you're like, you're like, damn. Yeah, it's it's going to be sad not seeing him in the uh, future movies, and I'm curious as to how they're going to handle that. You know, yeah. so because I mean I'm not saying it was hard, it wasn't hard when um, Leonard Nimoy passed, but that was easier to transcend in yeah. in that film. You know what I mean? But right. um, especially in, in Star Trek Beyond where Anton's character was a much more um, visible role. Yeah. I feel. So I kind of fell in love with him a little bit in the in yeah. the, like just the way he was acting and stuff like that. And I'm like, fuck. And it, it had this it, it had this background sadness to it. Like yeah. every time he had a scene where it's like, oh that's my dog. I was like, oh fuck. They did there was you know this I mean? one there was the one shot at the end when, you know, they had the the party for Kirk, you know, and there was one shot and I don't know if it was accidental I don't know if it was like on purpose or maybe it was just me but when Kirk said and then absent friends when they put the glass together Anton was kind of in the middle of that frame 
I and noticed that. I, I kind of caught that the second time I saw it. Yeah. And I looked and I was like, oh, was that just kind of, ha- was that like just happened to be there or did they kind of do that? Because it just kind of looked like, aw, like, you know, one of those moments. But as far as Abrams has said, he goes, we're not replacing Chekhov in the next movie. Um, where you know they go, he deserves better than that, and they haven't decided what they're gonna do. But and I've not heard, replace I've him. heard some people who are so stupid, they go because it's they the go, internet. <laughs> you had how are they not gonna replace Chekhov? Someone has to man that console. It's like yes, but but they're saying Chekhov won't man it. That, that's what they're saying. Like yeah. get your life together. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's just uh, whatever I mean it's yeah. gonna be sad not seeing him there but you know the show must go on type shit you know and right. it's I think they they um especially J.J. Abram I feel that he'll handle it in a um he'll have it handled in a in, in a respectable way yeah cause, cause we've seen some t- sometimes in the past where like I I feel the worst one was the Sopranos remember uh, that when his mother <laughs> dies and yeah. they fucking digitally put her in there i was like right. this is disrespectful yeah like but you know it is what it is i guess yeah. all right well i'm glad you liked it because that you know might be something when it comes out on dvd that might be a cheap seats episode who knows um it might be a cheap seat with this fucking cam i'm about to town <laughs> <laughs> i already paid for we- the movie motherfucker <laughs> We at the Lazy Geeks do not endorse pirating of any type of copyright infringement content. Yes, we do! <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Lols. <laughs> Alright, so on that note, I think it's time we jump into some headlines. So, we've heard this before when Lucasfilms was still Lucasfilms. Uh, however, now that they have Disney, which also owns ABC... Uh, we might actually see something out of this. It's possible. So this I article thought com- it was weird that we never oh, had one. No, real quick. This is something. You know what? I'll talk about when I get to my story because it ties into that a little bit more. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, was, I just I had an epiphany for a second. <laughs> All right. Uh, with their lineup of Marvel programming, ABC already has a finger on the pulse of one of the most prolific entertainment brands in the world, and the network is looking. At, to put those Disney connections to use to land yet another pop culture behemoth with Star Wars. While the animated Star Wars series has thrived, in, especially in recent years, a live-action Star Wars series has been rumored for a long, long time and with little to no progress. But it sounds like those plans might be on the path to realization. During the ABC presentation to the Television Critics Association press tour, the network's newly hired president, Channing uh, Dungy, revealed that there are in active conversations with Lucasfilm to bring Star Wars universe life to, on TV with a live action series. Speaking to the press, Dungy said, Oh, as a fan, I would absolutely love to say yes. The conversations with Lucas, we've had, we had conversations with them, and we continue to have conversations with them. I think it would be wonderful if we could find a way to extend that brand into our programming. While the fact that any network would absolutely love to have a Star Wars TV show falls under no shit territory, mm. uh, it's a it's an interesting comment because it's a bit of 180 since the network's last official statement on the matter. Back in January, former ABC boss Paul Lee told reporters, "We don't have any plans at the moment. 
and stated that their focus will remain on the animated universe. But don't expect uh, the show realization to in the near future. ABC, uh, following the ABC presentation, Dungy told the rap, it's all a bit hush-hush. The company, Lucasfilms, exists under a huge banner of secrecy. And if you thought more Marvel was secretive, Lucas takes it to a whole other level. We don't have any official timeline yet. Um, and this, this is true because before the, before the sale, and this is me talking here, before the sale of Lucasfilms to Disney, there were rumors that a new Star Wars series was live action was going to come to that. Uh, but then everything kind of just went a little hush hush and got to no to no news and then suddenly the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney so that's most likely why because it, it on certain terms it's like well if we're going to sell to Disney they can deal with it on their own and they would do their own thing so i mean of course who wouldn't love to see a live action version of Star Wars on there but again what would it be i yeah. would I would love to see it, but it also has me a bit worried. And if we if we compare it, a live it's all action, connected, <laughs> right? A live action Star Wars series on television, we have to compare it to Star Trek a bit, only because Star Trek has been in that realm. I feel Star Wars lends itself to film far better than it does to television in its current state. Now, could they could they do something on TV? Fuck yeah, they could. But could they fuck it up? Maybe. You know what I mean? Now, I have faith in Disney, of course, because they've already shown that they can take care of business in that way. But it, there's still that risk factor involved. Right. You know, and, and that risk factor was involved when the Star Trek movies started coming out, too. You know, because yeah. just in the, opposites, in the opposite way. Right. Yeah, because at that point, you, you end up getting into a situation of, well what's the story going to be about who right. are these characters and then you kind of have to bring them along on a weekly basis because obviously you're not going to have the movie actors involved in any way because the problem you know? the problem with television is it has to be an ongoing story right. a movie a movie is an hour and a half to 2 hours and you have the main problem and it's it's more of it's more of a clean story okay. i'm not saying it's not difficult i'm just saying tv's just different you have to, and, and when you have a universe like Star Wars, I would say, now this could be my limited knowledge of it, that it's not as fleshed out as some other science fiction series have been in that realm of television. Right. So they would definitely have to bring some talented writers in to really connect the dots a bit more. Um, so a, a, a television universe would be able to flow a little bit better. Right. Unless you're going to just do Monster of the Week, and that's going to be lame as fuck. Right, because Star Trek tried that once so yes. <laughs> in season one and two. So, But yeah, I mean, it would it would be a hard chore because you would have to tell a really, really good story over 12, 13, 26 episodes, depending on how many you know they go with. So that would really be something you'd have I to think, really try to figure it out. I think Star, a Star Wars show would lend itself greatly to the format that we've seen in, let's say, Daredevil. Where you have... Oh, well, fuck it. Like, uh, um, Doctor yeah. Who, even. Where yeah. you have a season. Episodes. Right. Yeah. The whole season is a, is an act. And yeah. you have some other stuff going on in the episodes. You have a couple bottle episodes, of course. But there's an overall thing that will come to a climax at the last... At the season um, finale. I yeah. think I think it would really be dope and it would be different too you know what i mean because yeah. we, we don't 
I want I, science fiction to come back to television in a real big fucking way. Yeah. You know? I, I agree with you on that. They're going to have to compete with that Star Trek Discovery, my brother, because I'm already <laughs> fucking skeeting about that shit. <laughs> um, that you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to get CBS All Access now. Oof, I might too, just to see it. Like I'm so excited. Just get about it, that. just get it to see it, and then cancel after. <laughs> yeah, you know. Let me know when season two rolls through. <laughs> right, that's exactly what I'm gonna do too. Um, okay, so the thing I was gonna mention, by the way, I heard ABC, and and I was seeing my my story is gonna be about Supergirl, and, and I was thinking, Disney owns ABC. Why was Supergirl ever on ABC? Um. Because I know, well, I know, Marvel and DC do not dislike each other. They're friends in the business, whatever. But they, Warner Brothers and Disney are technically direct competitors. So why was Warner Brothers franchise on Disney's channel? It just didn't no, make sense to me. Disney, Disney's ABC. This was on um, Super Bowl was on CBS. Oh, CC, I'm just an idiot. Because I could have sworn it was on ABC. I don't watch television. I apologize. So I'm glad we cleared that up. I only watch TV when it's on Netflix and Hulu. I don't know. I don't know. Fuck. Anyway, now that fuck I've, the rest of your ass. Now that I've uh, made myself look like an idiot, it's at least once every podcast, folks. We got to do that. Um, Callista Flocka. There's a pecking order. We got to. Right. We have to complete that. Allie McBeal. I mean, Callista Flocka. <laughs> it's coming back to Supergirl, but won't have as big a presence as she did in season one. Warner Brothers TV announced she will be appearing in season two as a recurring guest star. Um, now, I guess that's opposed to what? She was just a member of the cast? What, what's the difference now? Recurring guest star means you don't do as many episodes, I guess. Right, she was a, she was a series regular when there she you was go. doing on the... Um, here's a quote. Supergirl wouldn't be Supergirl without the amazing Callista Flockhart as Cat Grant, uh, Supergirl executive producer Andrew Kressberg uh, said in the announcement. We are so excited Callista will or Callista has agreed to continue on the show when she can. We in the audience love to see her on screen. End quote. Uh, Flockhart plays Cat Grant, Kara uh, Danvers's boss at Catco. Uh, Supergirl filmed season one in Los Angeles, but it will be shooting season two in Vancouver now that it's jumped from CBS to the CW. Uh, the move caused many to speculate what Flockhart's involvement with the show would be after it moved locations. That's what that's what has me stopped for a second. Why is she and and I don't know her situation, but what why is Callista Flockhart the specific one they're wondering about? Well, because she, you know, she was the bigger name to get on there and and part of the reason that they probably were able to get her on the show is because it was based out of LA. Um, you know, as opposed to moving to Vancouver, British Columbia for... Right, because she basically you know, season one, she's just driving to work like we all do every day. Right. Basically, and now she'd have to relocate. I get it. However, it's really her only job, right? <laughs> I mean, she's not... I'm Hey, I, I like Calista Flockhart. I'm not saying she's bad, but she ain't doing anything else. Well, I mean, I don't Alan know. Alan McBeal, the revival, ain't coming around the corner. <laughs> you so. don't know. You don't know what's in Netflix pipeline. <laughs> you don't know her life. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. That was always... But, you know, when you get people like that, there's always issues with people moving, you know, from wherever to wherever. And, you know, nine months out of the year where you're spending up, up there, it's, you know, could be something. I mean, she has kids, and so I don't know. I mean... But it's it's just one of those things where you've got to figure 
well, when when they were going to ch- change the storyline and everything, you know, there was that um, there was that concern, and that was a concern that even I wondered, like, oh, is she even going to come back at all, and how right. will they do it and stuff like that. So to see to see that she's even going to, you know, because she, the thing was like for me, it's like she, I liked her character on the show. You know, it was one of the few things that I liked of Costa Flockhart. Um, you know, I liked her character on the show, and you know, she she was she was solid with it. So, yeah, but uh, you know, hearing that she's at least gonna come on because when I heard that they cast somebody else to be um, her new boss, I was like, oh, that means she's not she's not coming back. But I guess in a guest role, it's gonna be you know, oh, she'll come back from time to time, but she just won't be a regular piece on there. Um, which I, which works because you know, in Superman, Perry White's not always there. Yeah, you know, I mean, she doesn't have to be in every episode, right? You know, Supergirl has to be in every episode, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> it, it's it's um, because we're gonna have episodes where she's not at work, you know, because I feel the whole oh I'm I'm Kara Danvers and I work here. That's some season one stuff, like your yeah. world building, like this is where she is, you right. know. But she's not her as Kara Danvers has grown a bit where she's not such a pushover at work. So we don't need that constant reinforcement anymore. So I don't think it's really... People probably aren't even going to fucking notice. Not that I'm saying Calista Flocker doesn't bring something to the role. I just mean they can do other shit. But I think think with the fact that she's going to be linked to the, you know, Arrow, Flash, uh, Legends of Tomorrow universe, I think that lends them more flexibility about, you know filling up that with possibly getting other people to cross over and stuff like that. So, you know, I think that's a little more of a built-in thing for them. But it is nice to see her come back at least from time to time to do some episodes. Yeah. So. All right. Well, uh <laughs> the Nintendo NX. Speaking of NX, um Nintendo is putting together a AAA software lineup to ensure NX flies out the gate next year. Developer Game Freak will bring Pokemon to the platform, while Nintendo's first-line titles, which included previously announced Zelda game Breath of the Wild and a new Mario game, all three products are scheduled to appear within the first six months of the machine's life. Uh, The firm has also been busy securing third-party support with Sega, Square Enix, Ubisoft, Activision, and Warner Brothers already on board. Sources close to Nintendo have told MCV that the firm is determined that NX will not suffer the same slow start as either the Wii U or 3DS. The same sources confirmed that the uh, that the Eurogamer report last week, which revealed that NX will be a portable machine that can plug into a TV and features a breakaway console, is 100% accurate. Game graphics will be somewhere between the, a PlayStation 3 and 4, with Nintendo targeting the audience that sits between smartphone gamers and the more and the more user and the more hardcore users of PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. "Quote: It's a nice bit of kit, a bit of novelty, but a good one," said one exec that has got hands on the, oh that got his hands on the machine. Quote, it won't appeal to PS4 fans. Nintendo seems set to try to upgrade smartphone gamers. That's going to be a big job for the marketing department. NX is currently slated to launch in March next year worldwide. So, 
What do you think about that? I don't... I, I have a hard time with anything Nintendo. Because <laughs> I never know what they're going to fucking do. Like, they say one thing, but then they'll do another. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I hope that they right. have um, all the hot titles and, and, and they do it right. And it's not just a Wii U all over again. You know, but... Who's to say that we aren't going to see delays? And who's to say we aren't going to see um, just a bunch of bullshit? You know, I think sometimes Nintendo's greatest strength is their greatest weakness in that they're such perfectionists when it comes to their games that they delay it. Almost every hot title they have lately, they delay it. Yeah, and my biggest problem was the whole, like, didn't we see this with the Wii U, like, in six months? That we were going to have this title, this title, this title, and then it never materialized for well over a year. So to me, it was like, wait, this sounds a bit familiar. Like what happened with the Wii U, yeah. and the and the fact that they're like, oh, we're security and third party support with Sega, Ubisoft, Square. So did they with the Wii U, <laughs> and nothing ever materialized. There's one. There's one constant. If there's one constant in the universe, I was waiting for that. <laughs> A new Nintendo console must launch with a brand new Mario game. If it doesn't happen, you fucked up. Right. Period. It, it's just... And the only one to blame for that is Nintendo. They've done that forever, except for the Wii U. Right. Was it the Wii U or 3DS? One of them didn't launch with a fucking Nintendo game. I think both, a, of, a Mario them. both game. of them yeah. did. No. You can't do that. Yeah, that's, 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 like, that's like Sega back in the day. Sega comes out with a console, guess what? There's a Sonic game. You know, right. it, it's it's your mascot. You know, yeah. or even and, um. Well, I I guess all of them are kind of doing that now too because Halo didn't launch with fucking Xbox One. Yeah, but see, that's the thing though is that like the Xbox and stuff like that aren't necessarily like Halo wasn't like I don't know what do you want to say the the um the uh, the uh, uh, I don't know what you want to say. The it wasn't the um, like it's not the staple of Halo wasn't the staple for the Xbox like Nintendo. Nintendo's fucking Nintendo and Mario are basically you know um, they're like tied to the hip. Yeah. Like, you know I mean shit. The original NES came out with the fucking Mario game and Duck Hunt. If you ain't giving us Mario, fucking give us Duck Hunt, Jesus. And that's the thing. <laughs> and that's the thing is you're completely true because the Xbox and the PS4. They can lean away from their their mascots because right. they have so much third party support. Right. So you're gonna get hot launch titles. It, exactly. It's and, just a given. And that's the thing that 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 failed with the Wii U was the fact that uh, we didn't have we had games that came out a year before on the 360 and the PS3. Yeah. And that was the problem with the with the uh, Wii U. But you know they had Ubisoft support and Activision and Warner Brothers. And they got shit. So I'm just because they have these, you know, these third party um, support deals doesn't necessarily fill me with confidence. Because I mean, and that's the thing is that, that there needs to be a fucking Mario launch title. Totally agree with you on that. If they don't have, you know, a, a Zelda or and or a Mario launch title, not first six months bullshit. Because well, to Zelda, me, that's just Zelda's unacceptable. Never been a launch title. Well, they keep saying it is. Like, this one is going to... No, I mean, to... just historically. But, right, so, but... You know. But that's the thing is, is that, you know, it's like, you shouldn't be launching that without a Mario game. 
because that's and and if at, what happened when they did Mario Party Mario Kart for the Wii U, Wii U sales went up. Yep. So really, we didn't learn from that. So, so we'll see. I mean, I hope. No, fuck that. I'm calling them. <laughs> I'm calling them out. They're done. I hope <laughs> Nintendo's fucking dead. <laughs> um, I hope that they get their. Shit I'll have a Viking funeral I... for them tomorrow. <laughs> that that what I've seen from that new Zelda game looks hot as fuck. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm down with it. And if if I see, and I I do this every time a Nintendo console launches. If I see strong launch titles, and I I see at least plans for Zelda to come out within the first like within at least a year of launch. That's kind of linked to the past. The original Zelda was a year after. Um, then I'll probably pick one up. Because I have been itching to play some Mario, and and that that new Zelda just looks amazing. But if it launches without Mario, I ain't gonna be at the shop. Like it's it's just a waste of my fucking time. Because you don't have third party support. So what? And I and I can already smell that the NX is gonna be another weird console. There's gonna be something about it that's gonna be dramatically different from everybody else. Which means third that doesn't necessarily mean third party support won't happen, but it ain't gonna happen right away because they need to figure it out first. And for some reason, Nintendo doesn't tell tell the other people, the fucking third parties, how to use their shit until the last fucking minute. So you you'd have to wait. And they've already burned a lot of bridges with third parties anyway. So it's gonna be growing pains. That's a guarantee for the NX. There's gonna be growing pains when it comes to third party support so the only way they can counter that is to have that first party shit on lock right from the gate so we'll see yeah yeah i'm not totally totally sold on on the fact that uh the third party support is gonna be like a wealth of material because we've seen it and we've got burned on it before and you know with the exception of mario kart i still see no reason to have a wii u and yeah, I also, that's, that's I want just more, my opinion. I want more details about the NX. I don't think Nintendo's in a position to be all secretive. <laughs> right. Start talking about what the fucking NX is going to do. I'm, I'm getting yeah. tired of this. You ain't oh, Disney. You, you ain't Lucasfilms. You know, yeah, you can't calm hold that down. Shit. <laughs> You're coming off of the fucking weak-ass sales of the Wii U. You should be begging me to read an article about your fucking comments. We should have the fucking schematics of the NX now, you know. That's how. That's how. That's how. First. That's how real world shit we should be. Nintendo's. Nintendo's in a, in a point now. They should give us a test fucking console, <laughs> and we're not even that big of a deal. Let's be honest. Right. You know, like it, with the free copy of Assassin's Creed. You know. <laughs> now, if Nintendo wants to be a little secretive about the next um, 3DS or whatever, they have a right to do that because right. they own the mobile market, but they don't own the console market. So they need to step it up. I'm getting tired of this. I still don't know what the NX is. Like just right. the basics of it. You know what and I mean? Ju- like, and, and if it's that, it's a, if it's a description that uh, this person said that uh, based off the Eurogamer report that it's a portable machine that can be plugged into a TV, I'm not sold. No, because why? Not why the fuck do you have the, the-, the DS? Exactly. I, mean, yeah. I know it's not going to be a mobile console because they're not going to compete with themselves. It doesn't make <laughs> yeah. any sense. Well, I don't know. Nintendo's like, done a lot of weirder shit. Yeah. I don't know. But see, the thing is, is if the only thing I know is that the console is going to be a mobile console that you can plug into the TV, the only comparison I have to make on that 
is either my phone or at best the Vita. Right. And that isn't giving me confidence. The Vita's a wonderful machine, but it isn't exactly doing well. Right. Although they, they're on the sneak making games for that shit still. Yeah, they did that and then also some of the free shit that the are the, the games that are available for them are actually kind of cool. I still kind of um, want like if they lower that price a little bit, I'd pick up a Vita. Dude. I mean, it's cool Just for the retro scream. stuff because you know I can play PS One and PS Two games on there, which I I dig. Fuck PS One and PS Two, I'd crack the shit out of that and play Nintendo games on that bitch. <laughs> but um. <laughs> I just, I just, I'm getting tired of it. Like Nintendo, yeah. in the next coming months, I better see some details. Like I'm, right. I'm getting, I'm getting bored. Like I'm, yeah. I, I keep forgetting that the NX is coming out. That's not good. Because if I'm forgetting, then the general populace is forgetting. Right, right. You know, and Nintendo can't, they can't take that risk. We've already forgotten about the console they have out now. <laughs> right. You know, so step it up. All right, so because we can go on this for days. Listen, um, here is I mean, my twenty points. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to the site to see the PowerPoint presentation that right. Adam's about to use. You know, um, this one here is probably going to take the rest of the show, even though we still have this is like the mid part of the show. Um, Suicide Squad. Um, so I was surprised because I actually thought I was going to be the only one to see this movie this weekend. Um, because, you know, as Adam has vehemently admitted before, he doesn't see shit on opening weekend. So, but he saw it. I did. And he saw it before I did. I was, I was invited to go see the film, um, with a friend of mine. And, um, and at first I did say, I don't see movies on opening weekend. And he said, no, there's this, uh, theater, you know, in downtown that's, that's different. You know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. But it is. It's it's in a downtown uh, Tempe, uh, on Mill Avenue, which is like the you know the hot place to go to eat and shit um, in this college town, and um, it's cool because it, it, it first of all it's an AMC, which I I haven't been to an AMC theater in a long time because it, in, in my area the, the Hawkins is everywhere. Um, is there seating? reserve seating so we, yeah, we like bought that. we and and it comes like it was the two of us and the, the it's you can tell like it's kind of designed for couples too because because the the um the armrest only comes up on those two seats and then you're yeah. you're specifically separated from the the other two the other banks of seats um has a push button you hold fully reclines plenty of space in the back you don't feel like you're fucking somebody up by reclining i laid down i we yeah. had a because unfortunately, the last Did you season, snuggle. Did you guys snuggle? No, no snuggling. Um, but the but maybe was... maybe a little, you know. I mean? <laughs> um, but when those Harley Harley Quinn scenes came on, <laughs> snuggling with myself. Um, we had the only seats available were in the front, which also threw me into a tangent of why I don't go on opening. Uh, weekend, but he, my friend kept telling me, "Don't fucking just go," you know. And he was paying too, so I really, um, <laughs> he just didn't have anyone to go with. Um, so I went, great. I I would have preferred not being in the front. I did have to turn my head a few times. That that kind of bugs me when I'm in a movie. Um, but whatever. Uh, I really liked the movie. Um, every character was spot on, in my opinion. Um. Will Smith's Deadshot was great. Uh, Robbie as Harley Quinn was probably 
the gold standard now for live action of Harley Quinn. Right. Um, the I liked in the movie where the characters were done in a realistic way. Like these, we're talking about characters that are not realistic, but right. they're done in a way where they were believable. Like the, you could you could think that some that particular person exists somewhere. Yeah. Um. A lot more feels than I, I expected. Um, especially El Diablo's character, who was a a Very big surprise damage, for me. The damage yeah. character, the that that really kind of led me to like really like that character. Right. You know. So um, I, I, I was yeah, I was I was really surprised with that character. Let's see. You gotta say negatives. It's not a perfect movie. See the the no. movie the movie you can tell is made for fans to go have fun. Yeah, that's a, it's not it's not trying to win an award. It's it's made it's made for fans of of those characters or just fans of comic books to go enjoy themselves. One th- the one thing it didn't take me away from the movie at all because I feel the acting was just so spot on that it, it it was whatever. But you could tell that Warner Brothers and the director and DC were all arguing over what they wanted the movie to be because there there were a few there there were a few plot pacing times where I was like, it seemed like it was going one way, and then it would go another way, then it would go another way. Not, and it was almost it wasn't overpowering, but you could tell that someone was hacking something up. Like, people were taking things out and moving them around a little bit. Um, but it also kind of fit with the movie anyway, because it's supposed to be fast-paced, it's supposed to be you know, um, the, this team, the Suicide Squad, is being told exactly what to do. It's it's not like they're just kind of looking around and exploring. They're like, go here, point A to point B, and fucking do this. You right. know, so it kind of fit with that. Um, the one who played Waller, oh my god, that was so good. Viola um, Davis was perfect as Waller. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, everybody was cool. I think the only one who annoyed me was, uh, was Rick Flagg, but that's because I just didn't like his accent. But... Hmm? You know that's a personal thing. Um, Actually, I I kind of liked him. I, I liked kinda... him as a character. Right. Just sometimes when he spoke, I'm like, ugh. Like when uh, Harley <laughs> when Harley breaks the window to get oh, the right. purse, and he goes, "What the hell wrong with you?" And I'm like, "No, dude, don't do that." <laughs> you know. Um, speaking of accents, uh, Rob played that perfectly. She had a bit of a Brooklyn accent, but she didn't copy Tara Strong, and I felt that that was the smartest way to go about it. Like she was true to the character, but she didn't sound like she was just copying somebody else. Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought performance-wise, she was spot on. Will Smith really surprised me. Yeah. Uh, with it, it was, and and I think my my brother spoke spoke it probably the best. It was the Will Smith we all knew. It's it's what launched his career. That kind of persona right. that we saw, and it, it's the one that he's kind of steered clear from for a long time. And it was basically the one that made him the star for all of us, you know. And and it was, you know, triangle bitch, you know. (laughs) It wasn't. It wasn't concussion. It wasn't that happiness movie where he was homeless or whatever. And those are great roles, you know. He did wonderful in them. But it it was more of the fun Will Smith that we've all from Independence Day and and stuff like that. Bad boys and all that. Right. You know. And and I I love seeing that. He did spectacular. When uh, Harley called him a pussy when he was putting the mask back on, and he was like, "Hey, I will knock you out." I don't I care that you're a girl. You're a girl. 
Um, uh, my my overall my overall summation about uh, for the review of the movie, I think I, I it was what I posted on Facebook and, and Twitter was um, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. I was totally surprised by it. Uh, the third act kind of fell apart a little bit for me, and the CG for Enchantress was way too much. Uh, it actually looked really fucking weird. Like it, it distracted me. The that kind of little dance, little thing that she was kind of doing, um, that kind of bothered me. Um, I squealed a little bit when I saw Batman in there. Um, yeah. it, it it kind of made me like it. Because it, it was kind cool of because it was Batman being Batman. You it was Batman I mean? it, being it, Batman, but at the same time, it was like kind of that confirmation of the shit's all together now. Right. Right. You know. That little two-inch punch he gave Harley underwater, that was brilliant. Alright. Uh, so, yeah, because for me it was like the, the squeal came from seeing Batman as part of the universe. Like, physically seeing Affleck, or Batflick, you know, uh, uh, in costume, hearing his voice, like when he came up with Deadshot, and he was like, I don't want to do this in front of your daughter. You know? Um, and then... The Batmobile turning up, you know, uh, for the Joker and, and Harley, and 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 like you said, yeah, that little two-inch punch against <laughs> Harley was was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, because so for me, it was kind of just that moment of like, okay, it is connected because they could have easily skirted around Affleck, like you could have just seen the cape and the silhouette and the Batmobile and. You know, could have been a bunch of different stuff where it didn't have to be Affleck, but they're kind of. It seems like they are kind of using him as as the Robert Downey Jr. You know, of bringing everything together because you know Robert Downey Jr. kind of did the same thing where he kind of connected everything. So shut up. Um, so it's it's nice to see him invested and involved in that in that way. So, because like as a fan, that's cool. Because then it's like, yes, this is this is legit. Like, you know, we are having those cameos because this is the first one that's really ever done that, for, in my opinion. You know, right. and so it's it's nice to see that, nice to get that, and nice to have to be part of that. And going, okay, cool. You know, yeah, you're reading about people bitching about it and stuff like that. Um, I liked the soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack was awesome. Yeah, he um, had a good balance of um, soundtrack and score. Yeah, I think and I and I thought the the songs were the when he used the soundtrack like with the with the music it was perfect for each character. Right. You know, um, especially hearing like "You Don't Own Me" for Harley Quinn, you know, and and a and a lot of those it was nice. And then uh, then when you know they got their stuff, they're like, "Guess who's back? Back again?" You know, and then right. putting on their clothes and stuff like that, and all that was cool. The pink unicorn, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> um, the little Flash cameo was cool, but I was kind of hoping for a little more. You know, I yeah. I mean, I mean it was know. it was your typical blink if you blink and you would have missed it cameo, missed it. right? I don't know. I I um I like I I really did like the movie. And I'm happy for everything you're saying. You know that, that it, it's bringing the universe in, and you know this and that. There's, there's, you can see a lot of room to grow here with other films and and stuff like that. Um, and I, I am honestly a little confused by 
I understand when people don't like a film. That's mm-hmm. fine. But people are viciously not liking this film. Like I actually yeah. came across um, an article on io9 where it said it, the title was suicide squad sets box office record because we don't deserve better movies yeah and i saw the title and it's just like okay you don't like the movie but it wasn't the worst film ever made like people are just everyone's and and in the comments it was perfect because someone said you know i like the movie i don't understand why no one else did and someone commented on that and said because you probably went in there with realistic expectations yeah. You know, I didn't think you were going to see the fucking um, Dances with Wolves of <laughs> fucking comic <laughs> books. You know, um, it was it was it was a movie for the fans. It was I, I think um, I think the biggest thing people were worried about was Jared Leto. And I, I enjoyed his Joker. It was it was a different take on it. It was um, I enjoyed his Joker. I wanted more, though. Yeah, I did want more. But it also wasn't. Well, Jared Leto wanted more, too. If you read the. Uh, are, there, well, was yeah, lot, there was a lot there was more a lot shot. of cut scenes, a lot of cut stuff. But for, that kind of pulls him. that kind of pulls to what I said, where there were, and, and this has already been documented, that there was a lot of changes to this film, in editing and and what what they wanted to focus on. Um, a lot of people were saying it would have been better if Joker was the main villain. I don't think so. No, because if if we're gonna have a new Joker, then it needs to be in a Batman movie. Exactly. That's my thing. Because if it's a Joker, it's Batman. Look at if you want to see what would happen if Joker was the main villain, watch the animated movie Batman: Assault on Arkham. Yes, yes. I think um, Joker's role in this film was perfect. He wanted his girlfriend back. Like I I think that's perfectly fine. And um, I I do want to see how that relationship develops a little bit more too, because he seems to have a genuine affection for her right which is a little different than other renditions so i'd I'd like to see uh where that is if i think though that when you look at it though like it's a reluctant like the moment when she jumped into that vat and then he went to walk away and it was just kind of like that oh yeah you know you know there was that that was that moment that it was kind of like it was against his better nature to do that but you know, isn't that falling in love? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, it's always um, against our better nature, but you know, we do it anyway. The thing, the thing I loved about Jared Leto is that he he really looked crazy. Like yeah. it was, um, and he's only in the movie for about seven minutes, yeah, total. But he um, and he didn't overplay. Like he didn't chew the scenery. No, he didn't at all. And I I think like I call to. Uh, the scene where we've seen part of it in the trailer. We've seen part of every scene in the trailer. Um, but the one where he comes and he slaps that guy on the shoulders. He he has him kiss his ring. And he's super <laughs> serious. Oh, and, right. And then he kind of just... I felt you meant that. You yeah, know? Like, <laughs> he sits on he the guy's lap, on and... his lap. Like, he was... <laughs> even in the way he spoke, like, a single sentence would have three emotions in it. You know, and you could tell that the people around were genuinely terrified. They didn't know what he was going to do next. And I think that's the most important thing to do. Um, a lot of people are comparing it to uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. And personally, I, I don't you think can. the comparison holds up. It's it's two completely different universes. Now, if you want to compare talent of of uh, portraying their particular Joker is fine. But we can't sit here and go, well, Heath Ledger's Joker was better. Well, that's your opinion. 
it's right. it's Heath Ledger did a spectacular job, and I think um, Leto did a spectacular job. But they're doing two completely different Jokers, and I think um, Leto's Joker, out of all the live action renditions of this character, reminded me the most of the animated series. Hmm. Like a, a toned down version. Obviously, he's not a cartoon, you know, right. but um, just that kind of like like that scene when he comes and he he breaks into the science lab. And he looks. Oh, right. He looks at the uh, the little gun that they use to put the bombs into everybody's neck. That that he's looking at it kind of seriously. He goes like, "This looks neat," and then he just shoots the dude. You know? <laughs> right. And, and it, it's just, I thought it was great. And yeah, I wanted to see more. I understood why there wasn't more, but that doesn't mean I didn't want to see more. No. Um, because if it, the problem is, is it, in the con within the context of that film story. If you gave more Joker, that means more Harley. And now you have one character of the Suicide Squad getting a lot more shine. Right. Um, so I, I got I, I loved I loved the uh, delusions they had where you saw the real Margot Robbie. And oh, then yeah. that was the depressing. Re- and then the real like the real Jared Leto. She's yeah, like, no, no he, bleached skin or anything. Yeah, the, the, the regular brown hair. And she's like, he married me. <laughs> Yeah. It was so great, and I love how El Diablo was the one that broke out. Like he yeah. was like, "No, this is bullshit," you know. And it made sense because he's the one that created his hell, yeah. you know. And and he um he was like, "No, you can't, you can't his he- fix his what hell." It. Defined him. His exactly. hell defined him. And then he was like, "No, no, no, this isn't right," you know. This, you know. And and also, one thing I did really like, and I almost respected the character. It was it was almost heart wrenching for me to see that his ultimate fantasy was exactly what he had it had before yeah. the accident or whatever yeah. he did. You know, I was like, God, that's fucking painful. Just as he's still in that, you know, basic working class house in L.A. This kid right. sleeping on the couch and his girl just wants to fuck him. Basically, that's all the right. fantasy was. You know, and and I was just like, his character the most made me sad. Like I, I went into this movie and I thought I was just gonna have fun, you know. Like I'm like, oh, this is gonna be fun. But I actually went through a range of emotions while I'm watching it, especially when he was explaining El Diablo's explaining his backstory in that bar. That was too much. Like I was like, fuck. Like you're just so. And and I like that too because he's one of the lesser known characters for yeah. most people. You and know? one of the th- the things and 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 it it kind of gave a little bit of a redemption to Deadshot because he goes, do you kill women and children? It's like no, I don't do I don't kill women or children, which is the main like, thing I, of Deadshot, right? And then he's like, I do, you know, and right, and, you know, and it's kind of like fuck, you know. Um, the cool. one part that I one part that I really liked was you kind of see how the team kind of gets on the same page when Harley takes off with the Joker, and then Dead, you know, yeah, then uh, Waller tells her to, tells Deadshot to kill Harley, so you know, and then he's like, I oops, I missed. Yeah, which and, and there, he there doesn't. Was, <laughs> right, which is the one part that I saw was over her shoulder you see uh, Rick Flagg and he smiles and looks down. And it was that like that moment of like, okay, he's on their side now. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's no longer on Waller's side completely. You know, and it was like that moment where you saw the switch. Right. And, and then when, you know, the helicopter goes down and they assume Harley is dead. Um, right the uh captain captain boomerang's like you couldn't have saved her like it was they really humanized and and the thing the thing about it is too is you have 
the Suicide Squad in the comics as well is such a wide range of villains, and and they're different levels of villainy. You know, um, like you have El Diablo. He did a horrible fucking thing. You know, but he's not a villain anymore, really. Like, his mind's in a different place. You have Deadshot, who is a hitman, but he doesn't kill women and children. You have Harley Quinn, who will fucking slit your throat if you look at her wrong. You know, you have uh, Killer Croc, who... A lot of people... And I had to explain this to the friend that I went with, too. And he's like, well, he's like a mutant. I said, his only mutation is his skin. Everything else was get, was forced upon him. The sharpened teeth, the uh, and and his whole acting like a shark is because he the person who adopted him put him in the fucking circus, you know. So and I thought another thing I have to say, um, Killer Croc was spectacular, um, and he didn't get much scene time, screen time either. But the whole swaying side to side, like right. it, just, it was, it was so his demand, his demand, right. <laughs> like, it, was just, TV. <laughs> it was so great you know, he just wanted to watch BET you know it's just um, but it was uh, I thought it was just really well done could it have been different of course it could have but I, I think that um, as it stands now it was a great movie it was fun um, if you don't go in there expecting to see the Nolan verse of these characters if there were ever one then you're going to enjoy the movie. And I think that's the problem that a lot of people have. It's okay to genuinely not like something. Just because I like it doesn't mean everyone's going to like it. But right. a lot of people I've spoken to, they if you talk to them long enough, they go, well, in the Nolan movie, this isn't the Nolan movies. Right. The it's, Nolan movie is not part of this. This is a completely different tone. Because if we go that way, then if we do that, then you go, well, in the Ang Lee's Hulk Right. You know, he got his powers this way. And it's like, no, that doesn't work that way. You know, it's like, this is all different. And and many of the reviews that I've read, if they go and they, they knock it, it's because they're comparing it to Marvel or comparing it to Batman versus Superman right. or using Batman versus Superman as the reason to hate it. And it's like, no, if you hate the movie simply because the movie is bad, that's fine. We're all entitled to our opinions. But if you hate a movie because of some extenuating circumstance outside the movie then you're an asshole yeah you know, you're you're like especially and we said it before where people are like well Jared Leto isn't it isn't Heath, Heath Ledger's Joker and I'm like you can't that's not fair like you yeah. can't do that to first of all it's not fair to Leto you right. know but it's I mean Leto I was reading about what he was doing to get into this role. It was insane, intense shit. You know what I mean? And it's just, right. it's, I, I think if we, we see more of Leto, it's going to be different. We see more of him as Joker and, and in a, in a bigger role. Cause really, if you watch the movie, all the Joker is doing in his scenes, his, there's a flashback scene, but it's all centered around Harley. They're Harley right. scenes. It's just the right. Joker's in them. Um, I one thing that I think this movie did that Marvel has has yet to do, and I'm not saying Marvel's bad for this, but it's just something that I think a lot of people are overlooking, is DC has given great depth to their villain roster um, with this film. They, they've they've made you give a shit about the well, villain. Well, yeah, because the villains are actually the protagonists of the movie. Exactly. And, and in order to make that happen, you have to do that. If Marvel had their own Suicide Squad. That would be a different story as of well. Of course, of course, you and know, that's why I'm saying I'm not I'm not knocking Marvel because yeah. I don't think Marvel has 
no, Suicide Squad is a weird comic. Like it's it yeah. kind of stands on its own. Yeah. And and like my my like my brother was like my brother really wanted to see because he really liked Margot Robbie in the trailers. Like he that character made him laugh and he was like, "Wow, she seems off her rocker." And then I was like, "Well, that's Harley Quinn." You know, and, and so you know, my I, and I went in with a lot of concerns and a couple of my friends, uh for those of you that that listened to just another podcast when uh uh, my friend Peter and I discussed uh, Batman versus Superman. Um, he liked this Suicide Squad. He he was one of those that was like, "Wow, I was surprised. I really enjoyed it." Yeah, it wasn't a perfect movie, but yeah, it was fucking enjoyable. Yeah. And you know, I went in hearing that. I'm like, okay, so maybe this isn't you know maybe this isn't the train wreck that you know we're kind of fearing simply because, like for me, it was like I didn't want it to be the Will Smith and you know Margot Robbie show. You know, it's like I, I didn't want that. I didn't want it to rely on that. But the movie itself, like the movie kind of had me in the beginning, like when it started and you just started seeing like, you know, the backstory of all these people and how they got caught and how they, got, you know, and, and things like that. I was like, I, I like it. Like I liked the MTV style yeah. of, you know, telling the, the, the narrative quickly to get to the point. And then Waller was a. Oh my god! I love that part at the end where they're like, "How are you not dead?" <laughs> you know. And uh, I kind of like in that scene too when they when the Suicide Squad finally realizes that the, the whole time they've gone to just go pick up Waller. Yeah. They were real quick. Like everything got real fucking serious in that room. Yeah. Like suddenly everybody started surrounding her. You know. And it's, it's like I like... think you forgot we're the bad guys. Like that kind of <laughs> attitude. You know. And, right. But but then it further tells you that the real bad guy here in this is, particular context is Waller. Is Waller? Yeah. You know, and it's um, and that little and that little after credit scene was cool. Yeah, that was yeah, awesome. Was, A yeah. lot of people saying it wasn't necessary, but of course it's not necessary. It's just supposed to be cool. Yeah, you know, it's I, supposed to be cool. It ties those two movies together. They're building a yeah. universe. Exactly, you know? because it's him go. You know, it's because also it, Waller it, it, knows he's Batman. Right, 100%. I love that. You're so tired. You should stop going out at night. You know, stop working <laughs> then, nights. I was like, uh, I know when I heard that, I'm like, oh damn. And then the fact, and it, it, it really isn't because, like, if you think about it, look at if you really want to talk about things that didn't need to happen, look at. Um, Incredible Hulk, right? You know uh, uh, Edward Norton's Incredible Hulk. You had the end credit scene was Thunderbolt Wallace at a bar drinking, and Robert Downey Jr. coming in or telling him that he told him it wasn't going to work. That scene wasn't necessary either. Not at all. But it showed. But it was that awesome. It was awesome because it was Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark coming in and connecting the universe. And in this particular instance, it was the same thing. He's getting information for from. You know, for the Flash and for uh, Aquaman, and then he's like, you know, because and it kind of puts it forth saying, you don't need those people. I'm going to put together some people that's going to handle it. You don't need those crazies. You know, kind of say, you know, basically saying they're there for a reason. I've got this, and it makes sense for Batman to be the one to be saying that because he put right. all of them in. <laughs> in he's there. like, I don't want them out. Like the the reason <laughs> why they're there is, you know, this and that. But um, I. I am. I went into the movie, and one thing I want to see it again, and I actually am on payday. I'm going to take my daughter, my older daughter, to see it. Um, one of the prob- see her namesake, huh? <laughs> see her namesake. No, that's my youngest daughter. Oh, I'm not going to take the four year old to see Suicide Squad. Hey, 
Gotta gotta start somehow. Right. Daddy's little monster. Um, but I'm taking <laughs> I'm taking her um Yeah, I love that T shirt by the way. Uh I'm taking my I own. love that they had the jumpsuit. That I gotta say that. I forgot. Oh, that about little that. that little scene where they were both in the old school outfits. School. I was like, yeah. Oh my god. And someone put it best. It was a gif and it was showing it. And they said you didn't think you needed it until you <laughs> saw it. And I was exactly. like, oh, my God. Um, the I, – I, one thing is I want to see it again because I was actually – it was Friday. I had worked 12 hours a day all week. I was exhausted. So I'm, I'm reading some of these reviews, and I'm like, wait, when did that happen? You know, and I, and I, and I was speaking with Steve, and Steve – I was very curious what Steve would say because Steve comes from a, a background of, of directing and writing and this and that. I don't. I'm just a dude who likes to watch movies. You know, I, I'm not into the background shit. So when he when I told him, well, I don't know, it seemed like it jumped around too much a little bit. And he said, no, it, no, it didn't. Then I immediately <laughs> knew, okay, maybe I was really tired and I just need to – I wasn't following a few things. So I definitely want to see it again. Because I, I, I had actually asked uh, my brother, because that's who I saw it with. I asked him, like, did you think? He goes, no, I thought it flowed fine. And I go, I mean, it did jump a bit because it was that MTV kind of cut, you know, where it was it was quick. Yeah. It's like, here's the story, but we're going to tell it kind of quick. You get the gist of it, you know. And and I go, so, yeah, it didn't for me. I thought it, I thought it was fine. And uh, I thought it actually... It, it built that momentum going into the movie, which I liked. But my main so. goal, and I think I, I remained, I, I did it well, is I was going, I was going into the movie, and I was like, okay, I don't want to see it as a. I already love all of these people, right? right. I, I don't want to go in with that fanboy eye. I want to go in and, and really see the movie. You know, I've been doing this, doing, trying to do that late more when we started doing a podcast talking about shit. It's like, okay, now I'm talking to everyone. You know, it's not just bullshit with my friends. So I went in there, I watched it, and I enjoyed it. Like I feel if I never, if I never even knew those characters, I would have enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And I, I have to say though, because it's the truth, DC and Marvel are equally matched in in comic book status. Okay, but I gotta say DC's villains are the best. I, I just think DC has way better villains than Marvel does. But that's only because, and in the comics, because Marvel has great villains. But I feel like in the comic, com- the comics, DC focuses on the villains more than Marvel does. Marvel tends to focus more on the heroes, and and the the villains not all the time, of course. But the villains are more of the plot piece, the the reason the heroes are doing something in a traditional comic book fashion. But well, I think a lot of times with Marvel, um, and yeah, I do agree with that. I do agree that that they don't they don't spend a lot of times on the villains unless the villains are like you know venom or or something like that which eventually turned to be the heroes the main um, or the main villain of said um hero and, you know what and I the mean? thing and the thing is is that even now i i see the only richness of the villains are the older villains anything newer they tend to kind of be used as plot points right. but I, I i see in that particular instance i i agree with what you're saying and it's because I think with Marvel is they tend to pull the drama from the internal struggle of the hero. Yes. Because there's all it's it's a little more it's never really cut and dry for them. It's always like, well, you know, I got to do this, but we've had this and this kind of thing happens. It's like it's the neuroses of the hero is basically kind of what it, what it does, and the the villain kind of gets pushed into the background and becomes the narrative piece 
to help the the hero kind of that come through. It really to to better to better I think illustrate it. Watch an episode of the Flash. That's a Marvel comic. Yeah. And I'm and 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 I'm and I don't mean it in a negative way. And when I mean the episode of the Flash, the way the TV the TV Flash is not the comic, but the TV Flash is because every villain that's in there, if you look at those villains in there, they're very weak as far as a visual piece, but they help Barry get to wherever he needs to get that emotional arc. So if you look at at the Flash, and I know so many people are going to probably go fuck you. Um, is and you you're, you're saying that because you know it's true. Um, <laughs> no, it is true. It know? is true. If if you watch that, that's that's a DC. That's a Marvel comic. The way it happens, and I'm not and I'm not saying that Flash is worse or better for it, um, because if you look at all the shows, that's the lighter of all the shows. You know, and people complain about oh Marvel's so light and everything's so fluffy. Well, the Flash TV show is like that, and that seems to be the most popular and one of not, all. Of them. The and. When I've said that in, in times before too, that Marvel's light, but I don't mean it for lack of substance. It, it's just a different s- storytelling method. Um, right. Like a perfect example of how DC handles its villains is go read The Killing Joke. Yeah. And the amount of depth. Yeah. I mean, The Joker has more depth than Batman in that book. Yeah. You know, because cause DC focuses on. Because the book is actually about The Joker. Well, yeah, but I know, but that's what I'm saying. The DC tends to focus on, um, no, that's what I'm saying. That's how it is. <laughs> Batman's just a set piece. <laughs> Batman ain't even there. No, um, they. I feel DC tends to get a little bit more with the symbolism and and the philosophical sometimes with their books, like the the deep thinking. That doesn't mean they're smarter either. It's just a different way of doing it. Like the Batman. The Batman, Batman and Joker are are two sides of the same coin, like that kind of shit. You know what I mean? And and They're just one bad day off from one another. Exactly. And and there's that there's that overall undertone to it that that it kind of draws you in. Marvel doesn't traditionally do it that way. That doesn't mean they're bad. It just they just don't do it that way. So I think that's why I've always leaned DC a little bit more because I like that. I, I like that kind of storytelling. But Marvel's dope too in the way they do it because they really focus on the heroes and their struggles, not only with whatever villain they're trying to fight, but also just their day to day themselves, their their struggles with with being look heroic the, and stuff like just that. Just look at the, the the prime example is look at the Avengers. Right. Even more so than the than the X Men movies. Look at the Avengers. You know how many times Thor has tried to strangle Tony for what you know for whatever Tony's done because Tony does something that doesn't think. And you know it's just it's just a lot that's, of that. That's something that Marvel does a little bit better. So DC handles their villains better in my opinion, but Marvel does that hero stuff a little bit better because in DC traditionally the heroes are unfucking touchable. Like yeah. their Batman will never be scared. I don't right. fucking care. And if he is, it's because something's going on on the outside that's fucking something up. Like, like Batman is never scared. Um, the Flash is never not going to be fast unless it's a major plot point. Like, the hero, you already know with DC heroes, they're fine. They, they're doing what they're doing. You're good to go. But what's this villain bringing to the table? Like, it's right. that kind of shit. You know, and I just, it's great. You got the best of both worlds, basically, if you read both. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I mean that, you know, and and they can coexist. Everybody, everybody just needs to calm the fuck down, 
they can coexist. And and in my for my money, you know, Suicide Squad was actually a fun movie. It was a, it was not a perfect movie, but it it to me it was just a lot of fun that I'm gonna go check out again. And also, even simply, if you can just take it as. DC has listened to the fans. The fans have said with Man of Steel and with Batman versus Superman. And that's the thing. DC fans are never happy. Well, it's not just DC fans. It's comic book movie fans in general. Marvel fans were singing the same tune. Batman versus Superman was too fucking serious. Like, there's zero humor in it. Like, it, it's hard to watch. It's depressing. Like, all the kind but, of stuff but, that people and were saying. Now, and the reason why everybody's hating on on this one is because you're seeing references of, like, oh, what the music in the beat is trying to be Guardians of the Galaxy. It's trying to be... They're, they're, everybody's pushing in what Marvel is. It's like, well, then shut the fuck up. If you can't... If it's like, okay, they gave you both. You wanted dark and brutal. Oh, we like it dark. We like it brutal. We like the Nolan verse. No, you didn't like that. Okay, fine. Here it is. Here's here's something fun and fluff and all of that stuff. Well, we don't want that either. It's like the shut the fuck up. Here's, here's the secret <laughs> that everyone needs to realize, okay? When it comes to critics, and I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, the critics are fucking wrong," blah blah blah. Critics are just people. There's yeah. no school to go to to learn how to properly critique a work of fiction. It, there just isn't. You know, like like a lot of people now. Oh no, that's stupid. But the the whole point is is that I've heard people say I'm never going to see this film because of what the critics said. And that's a shame. It's a shame because that person can't enjoy things without people saying it's okay. Right. You know, I mean, I've 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 loved some pretty horrible movies according to critics. I think speaking we all of have. which this speaking of which this month's cheap seats Howard the Duck. That's right. And uh well, I mean, that's that is a horrible movie, <laughs> but <laughs> it doesn't mean I don't love it. You know, it's. But that's what I'm saying. You're like, I've loved some pretty horrible stuff, and I was like, oh yeah, that's a reminder. <laughs> this one. I don't know. I just, I just feel. Oh, look at Star Trek: The Next Generation. The first two seasons, the critics weren't loving it. Yeah. You know, and it's become one of the most iconic television series of all time. So, I'm not saying Suicide Squad's fucking Shakespeare. I'm just saying, go watch it. Enjoy yeah. the fucking movie. Make- yeah, yeah, just I mean, I, and I and I gotta admit, you know, and Adam knows me. I went in with pretty low expectations because, and I was nervous. I, and I told him because I was afraid of what it could become. And actually, seeing it, I was I was very happy with it. So, you know, um, that was a that was a good Saturday afternoon for me. Nice. All right, so we've kind of gone on a little long. So with that, ends the headlines. So, uh, we haven't done this in a couple of weeks, because E3, and then we didn't do a show for like a week. Um, We got the pull list. So, I think in this one, because we are kind of going a little long on this one, um, why don't we just, you know, hit our pull lists, and why we, just real quick versions of why we, you know, why we... I'm gonna gonna rapid fire this one. So... Aquaman continuing the story of him trying to gain trust with America um, and the the tensions are just getting worse. Um, everything is getting misunderstood. Um, it's There's the terrorist group that is hell-bent on um, war. They want war. It's kind of a story that it's kind of a uh, uh, a story that we've seen done a lot of other ways in other in other works, but it's really working here. Uh, his wife has broken him out of the jail. 
because he was he was there trying to be you know though it's it's good so kind of like man of steel like he he was like i could break out of here but i mean i'm trying to show but that wasn't fucking working so they broke up and they're gonna they're gonna go uh fix that aquaman's real strong i like it i put suicide squad rebirth on there for a couple reasons one because fucking suicide squad just came out <laughs> um and also because it's coincidence just, that it right? came out this week <laughs> also because it's just a good book i mean suicide squad is always a fun read um, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Uh, it's definitely, it's just fun. A lot of action, a lot of one-liners, a lot of good shit. It's, it reminds me a lot of uh, like a more old school kind of comic book. Um, Batman, I put Batman on here because I, I'm, I'm hopeful for, for the future. But one thing that's got a big thing is the, the two new heroes, Gotham Girl and Gotham or whatever Gotham, the fucking name yeah. is. Um, the uh, Psycho, Psycho Pirate um, has... Is this ties into Suicide Squad as well? So Waller got Psycho Pirate and Hugo Strange to go do something, and they've broken off and gone rogue. I guess she didn't put the fucking what bombs a in their neck. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, Psycho Pirate, what he does is he controls emotions and he can twist people's realities. Really powerful, actually. Just has a really unfortunate fucking name. Um, he's twisted uh, Gotham, the the new hero, um, and he's basically killing people. Like, he's just going on a rampage. And Batman, at the end of that book, seemed powerless to stop it. So we'll, we'll, I'm definitely curious where that's going. But I'm also ready for the whole Gotham and Gotham Girl thing to wrap up as well. I think we've we've um, we've gotten through it. Probably two more books and I'll be done. Um, Justice League number two. Justice League is... I don't really remember much of this one, and that might be telling. Um, oh, Ju- Justice League is that there's a big threat. This is kind of how Justice League always is, though. There's a big yeah. world threat, um, and they're they're all trying to sort it out. You can definitely see the team blending together. It's just real cool to see everybody working together and 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 stuff like that. Um, Wonder Woman uh, knew a little bit more than everybody else about this threat because obviously she's been around a lot longer. Um, another one where I'm kind of waiting. I'm waiting for it to pick up. Um, Superman number four. Superman has been spot on every issue. I'm loving it all. Um, right now he's fighting. God, I can't remember the uh, the name of the villain, but it's basically this um, this artificial intelligence from Krypton. Um, the, and its main goal is to rebuild Krypton, kind of kind of like Man of Steel, but Steel, just, yeah. you know. Um, and he's fighting that, and uh, it's not going well for him because he's a pretty powerful villain. He uh, he's in a few issues back, he scanned uh, some of Superman's own DNA, and um, he has Superman's powers right now and his own powers. On top of that, we're seeing the sun really shining, helping his dad out. I'm loving this father-son dynamic; like I can't get enough of it. Um, and Lois is even in the mix too, but she's kind of just being carried everywhere. Um, <laughs> but r- Superman's been—I think—out of all f- all the five books, Superman's really been the one that I can't wait to read every Wednesday. It's, I, I, I've yeah, I've been that way too. Like it's Superman and Action Comics, both dealing with Superman in it. Those have been the the two top ones that. I, and I'm not a Superman guy. Like I didn't follow him in the old fifty in the, <laughs> the old fifty two in the uh, fifty two. But as of Rebirth, I've really, really been been jonesing on it. Yeah, and it's good to see Superman kind of coming out of the shadows a little bit and having a deeper more rich story because look we all love batman but it's the trinity we need all three of them to be good wonder woman as you see is not on this list um i'm waiting for that to pick up to be honest it's not catching my attention but i really want it to 
but this whole dual story thing is kind of yeah. throwing me off. I, I'm not feeling it, you know. So I'm hoping that they they you know get their stride. But Wonder Woman's a book that's not going to be canceled, so yeah. they'll just change things up or whatever. But those are my five rapid fire edition. <laughs> All right. So from my Marvel pull list, uh, the 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 order in which I have them are not necessarily the order in which I stacked them. It just was kind of like, okay, I read this one, like this one, put it in there. Yeah, same with um, mine. Yeah, so Daredevil Annual Number One, uh, single storyline, uh, just you know, broken off from the main line. I love uh, annuals; they're just fun. Yeah, you know? they they are. And in this one, it kind of focuses on a character who hasn't been in there, and I can't remember her name. Uh, but uh, she kind of disappeared in, in um, previously, but since uh, since uh, uh, Secret Wars, she's kind of come around. There's a villain that's using. Um, sonic waves to uh, take over people and uh, and and rule it, and this particular person finds new Daredevil, finds Daredevil, and tries to protect him because he has extra. You know, he's a little more a uh, little more keen on the hearing part, so they have to try to work together to stop it. Really clean storyline, um, very uh, you know, pretty much just a, a cool little fun story. Uh, Big two. The the next two are the ones that I actually really liked. Uh, Invincible Iron Man number twelve. Okay, so Iron Tony Stark faked his death because he needed to infiltrate a uh, a a Japanese uh, mob. Well, he's come out, but he hasn't come out on the better end. He's kind of losing it. Um, he's. It's also Civil War two tie in. Where you know he's still reeling from uh, Rhodey's death, the whole uh, Ulysses factor fight um, on the uh, 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 in the quote-unquote war with uh, Captain Marvel, he's losing it. Um, he's kind of ran into his uh, uh, I don't know how it's pronounced, Rai Rai or Riri or whatever, but she's supposed to be the teen that takes over for him. That's supposed to be the new Iron Man. Uh, he runs into her and starts you know talking with her. Um, so, you know, but at the end of the book, Victor Von Doon shows up and offers to help Tony Stark out, um, just before Tony was supposed to be arrested by S.H.I.E.L.D., of course. Uh, so, very interesting dynamic, because the way I read it, I read it in Robert Downey Jr.'s voice, <laughs> and it was actually really, really good, because I listened to it, I was like, holy fuck, I could hear him saying these words, like, these, this is his. So, um, so yeah, so that one was really good on a, on a, on a deeper level, on a, on a basically a tortured soul. Uh, next one, Kingpin number two, which is a special uh, uh, special run for Civil War two. Um, if you guys remember, I reviewed the first one a couple couple weeks back, and I wasn't a big fan on it. Issue two actually surprised me. Um, actually, really really good. It really kind of showed. It's based on the whole. Uh, it's it's a tie into Civil War, but Ulysses has been the guy that has been able to spot when bad things are about to happen and the heroes stop it beforehand. Well, of course, Kingpin goes ahead and finds a guy who can, who is also an enhanced and has the abilities to help and work with Kingpin, and Kingpin's trying to uh, basically kind of t- show him his ways and show him why his ways isn't bad and how he's basically kind of grooming him to kind of take over, it seems. And then there's this just like big kind of surprise at the end of the issue. 
Um, it's really cool because it actually gives Kingpin a lot of depth um, and, you know, still shows him beating the shit out of people when he needs to, but also at the same time of like, no, 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 we don't treat that guy that way. He's our new friend, you know? So very, very Kingpin. Liked it. Silk, number 11. I haven't talked about this comic in a while because I actually fell off of it for a little bit since the, since the uh, Secret Wars. But um, Silk, if you haven't heard, she's uh, uh, another spider uh, hero who was um, given these powers and was locked in a bunker for 10 years and didn't come out until like a year or so ago. So, you know, she's connecting with her family. And this is a very personal issue for her because she's trying to find her parents. And the problem is, is that she's also, you know, living this secret life and she's just finding that she's angry about everything all the time. And, you know, and she's working it through that, you know, of, of people that like what she used to feel when she was locked away and she always felt fear. Now it's just anger. And, you know, it's, it's her trying to come into her own, overcome that and use it to her, um, to her best abilities. Um, I really liked it because this gave a lot of depth to her. The story didn't really move so much as it was of moving her character along. And um, I liked it. I, I thought that was really good. And I liked it when I first read it. Um, that and Spider-Gwen are the ones that I really dig. And last one is Punisher number four, which is a continuation from an issue I reviewed a couple weeks ago where um, uh, Frank Castle's taking out a bunch of uh, drug manufacturers and one of them set up this girl as a suicide bomber, but Frank Castle ended up saving her. Now this basically is the chase after that. It's where he's driving off with the girl and these guys are driving after him, chasing, shooting at him and stuff like that. And it's basically just kind of a just the issue is just a shootout, uh, car chase shootout kind of thing. Um, and then it just basically ends with Punisher getting away and some of the bad guys getting past the cops and, um, and uh, the little girl is kind of safe. So, and, and it kind of alludes that uh, uh, Frank is going to go to the main hub. So we can kind of guess, given that this is issue four, usually their issues usually go six episodes, six issue story arcs. So it's probably getting to the, the end, of, the ep- the end of, this, of this run. There was a lot of issues that I didn't, that I liked, but I didn't put in there because they were ends of their current run. So, you know, I did want to review Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange was at the was in the final story of this particular story arc. And to me, it's like, well, if you're going to get into this, you're going to have to buy the last six issues. <laughs> so to me, it wasn't a point. Um, so, yeah. So um, that's yeah, that's my uh, my hit list, my pull list for this week. Bam. Uh, and uh, yeah. So with that, I think we can go on to our just one awesome thing. Um. My one awesome thing this week is, I, in my opinion, I think everybody has imagined this at some point in their life, doing something mundane, and they always thought, I wonder what, my, what this would be like if Morgan Freeman was narrating my life hmm. at this point. Well, on, the, on uh, the Jimmy Kimmel Live show, they did this one thing before where they had Morgan Freeman actually narrate somebody that was just out on the street. So they decided to do it again, and it was simply... It was simply a guy crossing the street and Morgan Freeman just on the spot narrating this guy. And it was so mundane. Like the guy's just eating something and crossing the street. But Morgan Freeman made you feel like, I want him to narrate my life. Right. Like if you're doing something kind of stupid and you're just like, 
oh, I can't believe, you know, it's just like, uh, this is so just mundane. How would it sound if Morgan Freeman was narrating this? It makes it epic. Exactly. Suddenly it's, it's you know, it's the next Shawshank Redemption, you know. <laughs> uh, so I thought this was kind of cool because it always reminded me of that meme that's like, yeah, my, my perfect death would be me being beaten to death by Clint Eastwood while Morgan Freeman narrates, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, vid- the link is in the show notes. So if you want to check out the video, it's, 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 it's funny. But uh, it's something everybody always kind of frees. Because that guy could read the fucking cookbook and you'd be riveted. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so Him I, and Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Patrick Stewart's dope as shit. And actually, speaking of voiceovers, I, I just saw that... Um, what's that dude's name? The one from Game of Thrones. Um, his last name's Bean or something? Uh, Michael Bean? Yeah. I mean, Sean Bean? Sean Bean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's going to narrate um, the new Civilization game. When you like get a um all the all the fucking help tips and the um when you get a technology he reads the synopsis synopsis of it I'm like I'm in for it man. <laughs> Letter Nimoy did um the fourth one it was great. Um, so I was on uh, GameSpot and I came across this pretty interesting. A remastered version of the original StarCraft could be on the way if new report is accurate. The game is currently in development at Blizzard and will be revealed in September, according to Korean site iNews24. Uh, as translated by Kotaku, uh, which at first you go, oh, it's a foreign site, but Korea is right. They they what they do with a StarCraft disc is they grind it up and they put it in a needle and they inject it into their fucking arm. Okay, <laughs> Korea is all about StarCraft. Um, citing multiple sources, it said the game features updated graphics and an improved user interface that maintains the original gameplay. It's unclear if. That means no changes at all would be made to the gameplay. Uh, we also don't know for sure if this would include both single-player and multiplayer or any content from the Brood War expansion. Um, as for the September announcement, this could indicate it will coincide with the conclusion of the Star Wars 2 World Championship series, which ends in September. So, first of all, StarCraft's a great game. I mean, I would love to see an HD remake, but more importantly... HD remake of Diablo 2 please please do please do so like and don't change the gameplay don't make it Diablo 3 was cool but it wasn't fucking Diablo 2 alright that game was just I loved it so please do that too and add mods and shit just fucking all up (laughs) Uh, alright uh, thanks for checking out this uh, this week's expanded edition of the show. Uh, you can subscribe and get this show every Monday downloaded directly to the listening device of your choice. We're on iTunes, Libsyn, Google Play. If streaming's more your deal, we're also on Stitcher and TuneIn and iHeartRadio, as well as our YouTube channel. Uh, and if you're old school, just go directly to the website, lazygeeks.com. And, and... And and while you're doing all that, leave us some comments. Let us know what you feel about the two movies we spoke about, or the comic books we spoke about, or anything we spoke about. Action, the things that we didn't action. speak about. Fuck it. Whatever. What your cat yeah. name is. I don't care. <laughs> Just drop some comments uh, and let us know what's what's going on. And if you have a cat named Constantine, let me know how that's working. Please out for you. let me know. <laughs> And also, you can catch us on social media, facebook.com slash thelazygeeks. By the way, um, the I've kind of been – Facebook switched up their fan pages, so it actually looks a little cleaner. So I've actually got – we've got kind of like all our hubs right there. So 
Um, we have tabs in there that has Twitter, Instagram, Google Plus, and YouTube on there. So you can check those out um, via our Facebook page. Everything's on there now. It is looking a little messy because I'm trying to streamline some stuff and trying to figure out what I want and what I don't want. So it's looking a little messy, but I'm trying to clean it up and find out exactly how I want it. And also some new artworks kind of appearing for October, but you're seeing it a little early on those. So Facebook.com slash The Lazy Geeks. Google Plus, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all under the name The Lazy Geeks, one word. Yes, and if you don't want to do all that shit, just send us an email at thegeeks at thelazygeeks.motherfucking.com. Make sure you add motherfucking in there. Right. <laughs> and you can also find me on the interwebs on Twitter at a middle-aged geek, Instagram middle-aged underscore geek, or check out my blog themiddleagedgeek.com. So be sure to tune in on Thursday because we have our second in three away team new episodes hit me this month. This month's this week's edition, Heart of Gold. Ooh. The first Klingon story. Yeah. It shows you how much that they wanted to do with Worf that they didn't want to do with Tasha. They gave Worf his own episode. That's right. Tasha didn't get a rape gang episode. <laughs> rape gang. So that is it for us this week. So until next time, I'm Stephen Vargas. I'm Adam Riley. Peace out. This has been a production of the Lazy Geeks Network, available only at thelazygeeks.com. Goodbye.